0: In our classes, we are studying through the book of Judges. And today's lesson was on Deborah and Barak. If I gave you a handout, I hope you have one. You can open it. Or if not, you can follow along in Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4 and verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. Because Deborah was a prophetess and a judge of the children of Israel, many in the church today, as well as the denominational world, use her as part of their argument that women can be elders, deacons, preachers, and in the public assembly, they can be song leaders and lead public prayer. Today is a two-part sermon titled, "Women Women of Strength, What Women Can Do Biblically in the Body of Christ, and tonight, What Women Can't Do Biblically in the Body of Christ. Looking at Deborah, we can see the value that God places on women. Deborah was a powerful political figure in Israel. We see in Tennessee uh, very powerful women. We're very used to very powerful women in, in the state of Tennessee, especially in our government. May Beavers, Diane Black, Marsha Blackburn, Thelma Harper. Courtney Rogers, Beth Harwell. Whether you voted for them or or like them, that's not the point. They were elected and they're very powerful women in our state. I believe if it wasn't for Christianity, these women would not hold the offices that they do today. God places His creation higher than we do. God loves His creation. He made male and and female. And He saw that when He made man and woman, that it was good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. But women in the Old Testament and in in ancient times were not treated very well at all. Freeborn women in ancient Rome were were citizens but could not vote or hold political office. The legal status of a woman in ancient Greek and, and in Rome was practically non-existent. From the time they were born, these women were owned by the males of their life. They were owned first by their father and then by their husband. Women weren't allowed to sue people to be in government or even to own houses. We see different ways that women are treated in the Bible. One, I just want to point out, Jesus changed all of this for us and He's the reason why I believe that women can be Powerful in today's society. For instance, John writes, if you'll turn to John chapter 4, he writes of, uh, of a moment of awe among Jesus' disciples as they saw Him speaking to a Samaritan woman at a well in John chapter 4. To Jesus' his own disciples, this interaction just wasn't done. Why? Well, because it just didn't happen. Men and women just didn't speak like that, especially to a Samaritan woman, especially Jesus talking to a woman by himself, even addressing her. Look at John chapter four, verse twenty-seven. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, "Why do you? What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her?" While Jesus's disciples were were marveling over what they saw, they missed the fact that to this woman. Jesus had just admitted that He was the Messiah. Notice the woman's place in God's mind today. Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Being in Christ happens when one is baptized into Christ, as we see here in verse 27, when one puts him on in Christ. And all who have obeyed are one in Christ, where all the spiritual blessings are, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. No matter your race, no matter your social standing, no matter your gender, if you've been baptized into Christ, you're one in Christ. To God, women are heirs to the promise of Abraham. As much as men are. And Galatians chapter 3 certainly is in harmony with 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Women are honored. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. A husband not willing to die for his wife dishonors God, dishonors Christ, dishonors the church, dishonors his wife, and dishonors himself. Jesus calls the church, Revelation chapter 21, verse 9, his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. But notice God's divine order. An ordered, an ordered way of living that so many want to change today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now we'll talk more about this tonight. But many in the church today sneer that unless a woman can have the same role as a man in the church, then she is a second-rate Christian. But this passage tells us that Christ is in submission to God. Man is in submission to Christ. And woman is in submission to man. Jesus Christ is not a second-rate Savior. And the man in submission to Christ and the woman in submission to the man, well, they're not second-rate Christians. We all have different roles. But this makes no one inferior to the other. What can women biblically do in the body of Christ? I don't know if you remember a sermon that I had maybe a year and a half ago or so uh, where, we, where we used the acronym for the B. The church is to be involved in benevolence. The church is to be involved in edification. And the church is to be involved in evangelism. The body of Christ is to be involved in these things. And part of the body of Christ, a big part of the body of Christ are women. Most definitely the church is to be involved in benevolence. We are to have the disposition as Christians to do good. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 Let us not grow weary while doing good but For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart Therefore as we have opportunity Let us do good to all Especially to those of the household of faith We should be the headquarters of goodness Here at Fountainhead We should be the headquarters of kindness Women in Christ can be involved in this kindness This goodness, this benevolence Notice Romans chapter 6, verse 1. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Synchria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks, but also all of the churches of the Gentiles. Phoebe was a servant. She was a saint. She helped Paul personally. The husband and wife team of Priscilla and Aquila put their own lives at stake to help Paul. There's no law against a man or a woman doing good. There's no law against that. Notice 1 Timothy 2, verse 9. In like manner also, that the the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Don't show off you, show off God, and do so by helping others with good and, and godly works. You might say, Well, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, ask the elders. Ask the deacons. Have a family brainstorm session on what you can do. Ask me. Believe it or not, people come to me all the time and say, Hey, if you ever need any help with such and such, let me know. Or if I can help in anything that you hear of, let me know. I can help you be a, I can help be a clearinghouse for that. Please ask me. The church is involved in edification as well. Building others up. Being encouraging. The body of Christ should be the headquarters of positive people. We should be the positive people headquarters here at Fountainhead Church of Christ. Not the negative sire people. The positive people. We should be attractive in that way. Women most certainly can help in this. Women in the body of Christ can certainly help build others up. Hey, Building others up, edification—it's the lifeblood of a congregation. It really is. We need help and encouragement with each other. First Timothy chapter two verse eleven, it says, and this is how you, as women, can begin to do this. If you if you want to start being an edifier, here's where it is: let a whim, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. Now, how does that help edification? Well. <laughs> Humble yourself and learn. Humble yourself and learn. Learn scripture? Yes. Yes. Learn doctrine? Yes. Learn people? Yes. Learn personalities? Yes. Learn needs? Yes. Learn names and numbers and addresses and clothing sizes and what people like to eat and what people don't like to eat in families when they're sick. Learn those things, oh, most certainly. And you can help build people up when you do. Just be humble enough to look around and learn. Notice Titus chapter 2, verse 2. That the older women be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, behavior not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. That the Word of God, notice this is the reason why, that the Word of God may not be blasphemed. Why teach and train other women to be reverent and love their husbands and love their kids? So the church, the bride of Christ, looks great. It looks beautiful to those outside. God, in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That, that pronoun who, those who worship, that means men and women. Men and women must worship God in spirit and in truth, Hebrews 10.25, and not forsake the assembly. If the women of this congregation are not here, they cannot worship and they cannot lift up and they cannot help edify the congregation. You've got to be here to do that. In worship, women can edify and they can teach and admonish. In worship, women can edify they can teach and admonish. How do they do that? Well, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This is a command for all of us. Women too. You know, when I worked selling furniture at Crescent Furniture, uh, there was a little girl that worked at the... uh, there was a little girl that worked at the uh, front desk and uh, who at one time had been a member of the church. Cute little girl, and she was trying to get her singing career. You know, everybody in Nashville trying to get a singing career started, right? And she said, I don't like going to the church anymore because they won't let me sing. And that, I said, they won't let you sing. I said, where I go, they let women sing Every Sunday. She said, no, you don't. I said, oh, no. I said, let me stop you right there. I know exactly what you mean. What you mean is they won't let you come up to the front and sing a solo. Yeah, well, okay. Now we, we understand each other. Women can sing and admonish and teach every Sunday in the Lord's church. We've been doing it this morning. Eric's led us in wonderful songs. We're going to do it here in just a minute when we sing the, when we sing the, 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 the invitation song and the closing song. The church is definitely involved though in in evangelism the the third e on our b we do not hide the fact, and women as well that women as well as men are to be involved and to go into all the world and telling folks about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Women can most certainly be involved in private teaching, and Bible studies, Uh, looking at Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately now Aquila was not a one man show here this teaching was done in private there's no reference to public preaching or teaching by women here In John chapter four, we look back at that. Jesus told the Samaritan woman all she'd ever done, and what did she do? She she just kept that to herself because she wasn't supposed to say anything in public. No, she went back to the city that she lived in and told him, told them everything. They said, "He's told me everything that I've ever done." She was preaching. She wasn't preaching in 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 a public assembly, no, but she was telling folks what the Lord had done for her and asking them to see for themselves. You come out and you see this. Women can teach children. Paul told Timothy, Second Timothy chapter three verse fifteen, that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Continuing on, Second Timothy chapter one verse five, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. Women most certainly can teach children. And remember, I just want you to remember this. Just because a 12-year-old boy is baptized and a Christian, that doesn't make him a man. Doesn't make him a man. In the time we have left, I want to point out some things. We live We live in a time when there are so many ways for women to get involved in evangelism without being a preacher or an elder or a deacon. Let me just run these down through you. Be a good person. I just put these, just brainstormed. Matt helped me brainstorm a little bit. What can women do in the church today? Be a good person. What what is it? I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day? Oh, Certainly. Be a good person. Treat people well. Have a good attitude. That's a great thing. People are are depressed and people are lost out here. And if they see you, they're going to be attracted like a moth to the flame to your good attitude. In today's world, you can blog it. Now a lot of the older people don't understand what I mean, but hey. You can go for free. You can go on a blog and you can write down your thoughts about Jesus and the church and Christianity. And you pick the topic. You can blog about it. You can write articles. And if you don't know who to send them to, tell me. I've got lots of places you can send these to. Maybe they'll use them. Maybe they won't use them. But hey, you'll, you'll, you'll have to learn. You'll have to study. You'll have to grow to write these articles, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Now, let's put those all three at once. How many of you, I haven't seen it on Facebook on my friends yet, how many of you have been going out and doing selfies in front of the sign to let folks know where you've been this morning? You know what? You can set your phone up to do Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram all at the same time with one snap. And it's out there. And people know where you've been this morning, what you've been doing this morning, and how you have spent your time. Women can do that. Start your own website. Put your money where your mouth is. Women can do this. It doesn't cost that much to start your own website. Go to the mission field. There are so many missionaries who would love to have women with them in the mission field to encourage and, and do benevolence and edify folks. It may cost you three, $4,000 to go into a foreign country, but start Bible studies, card fishing. Matt and I, we got new cards. We're excited about our new cards. We're going to start using them this next week. On the back of our cards is, is 2 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. And, and it says at the bottom, What does this passage mean to you? Let me know. We're going to start throwing them out to people all over. And if anybody calls, then we, we got them. We, we, we've been fishing. Throw those cards out. Throw a Bible verse out to somebody and say, what does this mean to you? It may start a Bible study. These are things that women can do. Men, I hope you're listening. <laughs> I hope you're listening. Be a Christian mom. These are mats. Be a Christian mom. Be a Christian wife. Be a Christian girlfriend. The world needs Christians. Men or women. Care for the needy. Visit the sick and shut-in. Tonight, I hope, Sandy, I hope we get our cards together and we do card ministries. You don't know how many people have sent thank-you notes about cards for those cards. I hope we can do that. I hope each and every one of you ladies have your own card ministry. Door knocking. Go with somebody is my suggestion, but nobody can keep you from going and knocking on a door and saying, uh, can I share with you how I became a Christian? direct mailers again spend some of your money send it directly out to your neighbors what you believe in home bible studies and meals at your job sharing your faith with your spouse i know men in this congregation who if it wasn't for their spouse they would not be christians look with me look with me at first peter 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Wives, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. This, this attitude will not only just lead your husbands to Christ, it will lead others to Christ as well. Uh, Neil Pollard wrote in a 2001 gospel advocate article on this first Peter passage he writes godly women must keep the kingdom first in their lives they should not compromise their convictions or morality for their husbands. They should not compromise their commitment to God for their husbands. For the sake of their souls, the kingdom must be put at first in their lives, Matthew 6.33. Persistent Christian living so often pays off in winning the lost. A woman has a better chance of winning a wayward mate by staying true to Christ than she does by giving up or giving in. Continue in faithfulness, Revelation 2, verse 10. Christian women in these situations are inspirations and examples to more persons than just their unfaithful or non-Christian husbands. They are a blessing to the church of which they are members. Amen? Amen? Women must be involved in benevolence. Women must be involved in edification. Women must be involved in evangelism. Much of the work done in a local congregation cannot be done if it were not for women. It just wouldn't get done. Women are worthy. They are worthy of great honor for all that they do. On the back of your bulletin, inside the handout that I gave you, this is from Brother Barnes over in Red Boiling Springs. I wanted to end with this. It's where I got the title of the sermon, Women of Strength. A strong woman works out to keep her body in shape. A woman of strength kneels in prayer to keep her soul in shape. A strong woman isn't afraid of anything. A woman of strength shows courage in the midst of fear. A strong woman won't let anybody get the best of her. A woman of strength gives her best to everyone. A strong woman makes mistakes and avoids the same in the future. But a woman of strength realizes life's mistakes can also be God's blessings and capitalizes on them. A, woman, a strong woman walks sure-footedly. A woman of strength knows God will catch her when she falls. A, woman wears, a strong woman wears the look of confidence on her face. A woman of strength wears grace. A woman of strength has faith that she is strong enough for the journey and a woman of strength has faith that it is in the journey that she will become strong. Sisters in Christ, be women of strength. Now, tonight I'd like to follow up with what women can't do biblically in the body of Christ. And I hope all of you will be here. Just for a moment, though, I would like to touch on salvation. And You might be asking the question, I'd like to be a part of this group. I'd, I'd like to be saved. I don't, I'm not saved. I mean, if Jesus Christ were to come back right now, would you know, nothing doubting, that you'd go to heaven? And if the answer is no, then ask this question, what must I do to be saved? God has a part. Man has a part. God has already done his part god sent his son john 3:16 for the whole world jesus shed his blood on the cross and all blessings are found in jesus christ first uh, excuse me ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 the spirit is revealed in god's word so we have god's word and from god's word we understand that we must hear god's word the gospel and we must believe the gospel Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must repent of our sins, Acts 2:38 and confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God, just as the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. We must be baptized into Christ, Mark chapter 16 verse 16, He who believes and is baptized, that conjunction and there marries the belief and the baptism, so that both are equally important. Unless you believe and are baptized, you can't be saved. And then we must remain faithful. I hope that our our women will be women of strength and will remain faithful. But if you've never obeyed the gospel, it's my hope that you'll be a part of us by coming right now as together we stand and sing.